Hello and welcome to Inside the Squad, a community outreach podcast brought to you by the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is hosted by Lieutenant Scott Galloway and Specialist Shauna Wainscott of the Community Outreach and Crime Prevention Unit within the department. We discuss all topics related to the day-to-day operations of the Lafayette Police Department, and we feature interviews with officers and other public safety personnel who want to give you an inside look at law enforcement. Our goal is that you find this podcast interesting and informative, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Squad, a podcast from your Lafayette Police Department. This is where we discuss local issues facing our community. And today we have most of our crew back. Uh, we have Shauna Wainscott, specialist. How's it going, Shauna? It's going good. All right. And we also have Patty Payne, who produces our podcast. How's it going, Patty? It's going great. Now, how's it at home uh, with the change in your uh, employment status for your husband? How's, how's it going? It's going great. He's, uh, he's really hitting the ground running, and he's... Uh, Got lots of good ideas. Does he um, miss being a cop at all so far? Hasn't been time to miss anything. All right. Uh, And also we have a special guest drop in today, Chief Pat Flanley. How's it going today, Chief? Going great. On vacation and coming in, right? That's it. I wanted to come show off my beard because I only have it for a few more days. a couple more days. We're going to see who's going to take home the crown for the the, uh, United Way fundraiser that we did for growing beards. So, uh, what do you win? Is there um, uh, just bragging rights, or I think so. We haven't really determined what the prize is going to be yet, but I think bragging rights are the most important. All right, I, I think you should get a tiara. <laughs> you don't have to do a traffic stop with a tiara on. Bash. And speaking of traffic stops, today we have a returning guest, Traffic Sergeant Will Carpenter. And so along with the uh, holidays comes what we would call stressful um, lives in general and aggressive driving. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about aggressive driving and, and those stressors that we oftentimes uh, happen to lead to road rage. And also we, we're going to get some crime prevention tips and some information from Shauna about uh, what kind of things happen at the holidays that um, she wants to talk about. So with that in mind, Will, I'll, uh, hit it right off. What is aggressive driving or what can lead to road rage? If you can explain that to us. Indiana defines uh, aggressive driving pretty specifically. There's actually a, a, a law in Indiana code that defines it. And uh, But in general, it's um, several moving violations occurring at once. And some of those being uh, flashing your lights at someone, using a horn uh, excessively or without uh, any other cause except to maybe harass or intimidate someone. Um, those types of violations, and it has to be, um, you know, within uh, a short period of time and directed at someone. And actually, it's a misdemeanor in Indiana to uh, engage in that type of behavior. So, uh, but uh, you know, that's the statutory, I guess, end of it. But aggressive driving, I think, in general, we just look at as uh, people who are maybe use their driving uh, behavior to maybe intimidate others. And that's, I think, what uh, in general people think of. So there would be a difference between aggressive driving and road rage. Right, yeah. one lead to the other. So road rage, I think, is the uh, general terms of, of what we think about. And so aggressive driving would be that statutory definition. So we, 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 when we think of those things, we think of road rage. I think most people do. And, and so what can lead to road rage? I know stress obviously does, but... Um, what leads somebody to, to engage in those type of behaviors against another driver? 
it's really the same uh, things that would in, uh, cause someone to engage in any type of uh, maybe uh, verbal altercation or maybe physical violence towards someone else. It's uh, whatever is going on in their life that they're not uh, at the time able to manage. And, you know, we see a lot of that sometimes, uh, during the holiday season, you know, as our stress levels uh, increase, then uh, so does our uh, actions and uh, maybe how we respond to that get maybe sometimes a little worse. So and the reality is it could be something that isn't even involving driving that's making you drive in, a, in an aggressive way towards somebody. So maybe a child screaming in the car, it makes you angry, and you take that out on a, another driver or you act aggressively. I think uh, in general we can think of it's, it's probably a, a compounding of uh, things that are going on. So it could be a lot of those things in our lives. It could be uh, having a bad day at work. It could be having a bad day at home. It could be uh, adding a screaming child into a car in the back of the car. It could be many things that have uh, maybe uh, compounded, and then we have that final trigger of someone who has cut them off, or in some way they feel have, has wronged them, and uh, and and so we find it, it's road rage. But whether it's someone who's engaging in a fight outside the car or, you know, while they're driving, I think those behaviors are very similar as far as what, what causes those things. Is there a way um, to prevent that from happening? I mean, how would you prevent if you find yourself in that, if you are the person that's mad, what, what steps can people take to bring that down? I think the biggest thing is to understand that, um, to tell yourself that you're not the only one on the road, that you're there to share the road with others, that no one's a perfect driver. And if you can prepare yourself mentally, then you might have a, a better opportunity to, to deal with that. We all drive, and some of us drive in stressful situations or have driven in stressful situations, especially uh, those of us that are police officers. Um, even if it's not a stressful situation, we're just in a hurry to get to maybe the next call or something. So we all have to remember that uh, there's other people on the road and uh, that those people aren't going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect, and we just have to display a little bit of patience. If we experience someone who is – yeah, how would you diffuse – how do you diffuse the situation? Well, one thing, you don't want to try to engage anyone that's uh, behaving that type of uh, manner. If, you're, if, if someone is honking their horn excessively at you, shining their lights, following you too closely, being aggressive or intimidating with their vehicle or their actions, don't try to engage them in that type of uh, behavior. Don't be staring at them. Don't – no reason to stick your hand out the window and wave with a single finger or anything <laughs> like that because sometimes that's just going to incite that person and make them even more angry. I would suggest that keep moving, call the police, and if you can, make it to a, uh, a safe place. So don't, don't – don't, you know, we, we always try to get people, if they're having those problems and they're within uh, close proximity to the police department, to drive to the police department. And, and that way uh, sometimes having – Witnesses, especially police, seems to diffuse that pretty quickly. So, and, and that brings up a good question because a person I talked to recently engaged or, or had an issue of road rage was scared, called the police, and um, I don't know if it was this police department they called, but had pulled over in a parking lot. And I didn't think that was necessarily the best thing to do because you might not be any, anybody there to be a witness to anything. So you might have making, be making it worse by pulling over and, and having that conflict is now going to be a, a 
face-to-face contact. Yeah, and if we if you consider it a safe place, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell people not to do it. If you feel safe pulling over into a uh, a crowded parking lot and you feel like that there's uh, ample people there to assist you, then then um, you know that that's going to be the that's the key. You got to have somebody's got to be there. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not going to stop and wait for somebody. Right, I'm not going to uh, if someone's uh, looking to do me harm or, or cause issues with me, I, I'm going to find as many people as I can and uh, hopefully uh, the police. Because we've had cases like that here before where there's been actual fights that are in physical harm caused by people pulling over after road rage and they're going to they're battle then. Absolutely. People get out of the cars. They're looking to uh, smash a windshield or to kick the, a dent into the side of the car. You have people who uh, verbalize uh, different threats uh, toward people. And so we see that. So uh, I, I, our dispatchers, I think, are very good at directing people to get to the right place to um, seek uh, some assistance and uh, to get help and defuse the situation. So obviously we've had people in the past get into crashes during road rage incidents. What would your recommendations be if a crash occurs during a road rage? If a crash occurs during a road rage, I would still, if there's no injuries, if it's a property damage crash, I would suggest getting yourself to a safe place or not getting out to confront that person. So we don't want to try to confront them. Ultimately, it's your personal safety that is the most important. So however you need to keep yourself safe and uh, um, to remove or diffuse that yourself or remove yourself from the situation or diffuse it is the best. If that means you have to pull around to the next corner and wait for the police to arrive, if that means uh, just staying inside your vehicle with the doors locked, then uh, those are the types of things that I would suggest to people. It's hard to give a definite answer for those because there's so many different situations that could occur. I go over these things with my own family. What do you do if you're involved in a crash and someone is very, very angry at you? How are you going to react? And so as we drive throughout the city and we get to different locations, I ask them, where would you go and how would you deal with this? You know, if it's close to downtown, I explain to them, there's nothing wrong. If nobody's injured, if it's a small, minor crash, you can go to the police department and we can assist you there. So those are the types of things that we encourage people. Obviously, we don't want to use that as an excuse for people just to leave the scene and uh, do nothing about the crash or not to uh, render aid to someone who needs aid. Th- those are obviously important. So uh, we want to make that distinction. This isn't a, an opportunity for someone not to uh, do what they need to do and follow the law when it comes to crashes. Jeff, something, Chief? Well, I think this is a perfect example of periods of frustration that we all face is that you in the end you just have to control the things that you can control and where the frustration comes with drivers is they're trying to control the actions of other drivers and then they react negatively when people don't drive the way that they think they should and and I think it's important to remember is you you're driving your car let other people drive their car because we don't know what's going on inside their their car Um, I think the sad reality is that in just about every car on the road today, we have distracted drivers. People are paying far too much attention to what's going on on their phone than they are to what's going on in front of them. And that does create situations where it gets frustrating. If you are a, a driver who is attentive, you're paying attention to what's going on, and now you're forced to wait or to, to have your plans altered because somebody else is engaging uh, whether it's social media, whether it's their phone, 
whatever they want to say that they're doing on their phone, but they're the one thing that they're not doing is paying attention to the road. And we see that uh, play out in a lot of different ways. Uh, and oftentimes the drivers that are on their phones and are distracted mimic that of uh, a person that's driving while intoxicated. You see a lot of the same behaviors, weaving inside the lane, speeding up, slowing down, uh, staying stopped at a red light because they're engaged on their phone, they're not paying attention, and that creates backups. It, you, you know, it's interesting because we've had, even in certain, of our, in certain intersections in our city where we've had discussions with the city engineer's office about changing the timing of the light cycles to, to keep the turn arrows green five seconds longer because traffic backups are occurring. And, and when we look into these things, what we find it's because people are on their phone. Uh, they're stopped at a stoplight and they're engaging on their phone. They don't see the car go in front of them. And then when it does start to go or they're late, then they, you know, they let off the, the brake and they hit the accelerator and then traffic stops in front of them and they get in a crash because they're panicked or they infuriate the people behind them. And that leads to the very discussion that, that long hong road rage yeah. and aggressive driving. And then it becomes a, well, you can't be mad at me because I'm just driving my car. It's a, it's a very complex, I think, social and psychological dynamic when people are in cars. And I, and I think in the end, if we all just put down the phones, pay attention to what's going on in front of us, we would probably have far fewer instances where these types of things would occur because when somebody does get frustrated that's when the the frustrations at home or the frustration with the children in the car and those things kind of boil and come to the surface so so ultimately it's not worth it because you you may have to go to court pay legal fees you might crash your car you may get injured so you never know and the other thing is you don't you don't know who the person is in the in the other vehicle you don't know what they're capable of and um you know, I, I look at that, and I, we've ha- I've had many conversations with people that I've uh, dealt with in my enforcement capacity and explained, you have no idea what that other person is thinking. In that other, they may be having a worse day. They may be uh, a police officer. They may be someone who uh, isn't, has a short fuse. So, yeah, it's not worth it. Well, and the studies show that um, it's usually younger male drivers, and, and many of them may have psychological disorders that engage in the more extreme road rage incident so you don't want to en- engage with that person you don't want to pull over and stop and have that out correct and that's what i think earlier we alluded that the the same things that cause people to have rage anywhere else is, it's just now we're just confined Amplified. to the, the road it's just like your kids in sports or anything else who gets the penalty yeah it's, it's the guy <laughs> it may not who, be the person who commits the yeah, foul it's, sort of it's the foul ret- back retaliates that, that's where the yeah. that's what catch, catches the official's attention yeah and the police are the officials on the road. So it's a very similar analogy. If, if you react because of somebody else's aggressiveness, you're just as likely to get yourself involved in a, in a situation where you might get a ticket from the police. Or, uh, sadly enough, you might get yourself involved in a crash where the crash is now your fault. And you may want to have a discussion with the police officer about why you got into the crash and make your case roadside as to why this crash wasn't your fault but in the end uh, you control your vehicle and if you don't control your emotions and you react negatively to something that occurs and you get into a crash then you're gonna have to be 
uh, ready and willing and, and able to, to meet the consequences for, for the way that you respond. So control what you can and let everything else go. If you do get in a crash, we've probably talked about this before on the podcast even, what should you do if you get into a crash at an intersection or whatever else? Would you move your car out of the way? Just kind of some basic information on that. If you're involved in a crash and, and the vehicles are operable and, and there's no uh, significant injuries, you need to get the vehicles out of the roadway, get them to a safe place. And, and that's for your safety. We don't want to put you in a position to where you would uh, uh, possibly be involved in another collision with uh, um, passing motorists. So, and it's also for our sake to help us so we're not standing in the road as well. So get off to the side of the road um, if, you, if it if you're concerned about that, uh, about the positions of the vehicle or um, maybe about how the officer might interpret the crash uh, once they get there, take a couple pictures. I, I tell people if you can take your phone out and take four pictures, uh, one from each side, one from the front, one from the back, that is going to tell uh, probably a better story than anybody else is going to be able to tell. So. If you uh, feel comfortable with that, take a couple of uh, quick photos, move the vehicles out of the roadway, and you can start with uh, the process and exchanging information. And if you decide that the police are are not necessary, that they're not uh, uh, needed at the scene, as long as you've exchanged that information, you can leave. And then, or you can just call us, and we, we can come and we can facilitate that for you. And if needed, we can uh, make a report uh, for the crash. But uh, primarily, we want people to be safe. There's actually a state law that requires vehicles to be uh, uh, taken out of the roadway uh, after a crash. So um, be safe, get out of the roadway, and uh, render aid when necessary. All right, and thanks, Will, uh, for being here for the road rage. You can chime in if uh, you think of anything else, but right now we'll move on to Shauna and her holiday um, crime prevention tips. I know she's got a program planned, and she's um, you know kind of really been out front this uh, holiday season about what tips can be made for uh, crime prevention in the holidays, and and the reality is, is that crime, it doesn't really necessarily change during the holidays. Um, maybe people perceive that or it tugs at their heartstrings when a crime does happen during the holidays. But is there any statistical um, thing significant about holiday crime? It's not so much that crime goes up in the holidays. It's the fact that, like you said, it hits closer to home because the stuff that's getting stolen is usually presents or something of value that that person was going to give to somebody else. So it, you know, it hits closer to their heart and knowing that that item's now gone. So some of the tips that, you know, we often recommend is a lot of people are now shopping online. So a lot of your presents are obviously getting delivered to your residence. And if you're not going to be there to get them, uh, one of the suggestions is is you can have a UPS driver. You can give them the code to your garage, and they can set them inside your garage if you feel comfortable with that. If you have a neighbor that works from home or is retired, see if they can get that item for you till you get home. Or there's even the option of having it delivered where you work. Um, they're all options so that you don't have to worry about a package going missing. Another thing is, is obviously people are out shopping and buying things at stores. So a lot of the recommendations are if you are going to go shopping uh, to do it during the day and to take someone else with you. Another suggestion is, is obviously don't leave valuables in your car. The presents that you do buy, try to put them in your trunk. That way they're not in plain view where somebody can see them because it's going to be more likely that they would try to get into your car if there's valuable items in the car like a TV or something like that. Another suggestion is is for your home, since it obviously is getting dark earlier, what is it now, 530 and it's dark outside, 
um, so most of us aren't even home from work at that time, is to turn your porch lights on. Leave a light on in the house. Make it look like somebody's home. Um, before you leave the house, make sure your doors and windows are locked. That way there's no easy access because usually a burglar is going to look for the easiest way into your house. Or they don't want to draw attention by breaking doors or breaking out windows and that kind of stuff. Regarding locking your doors, Shauna, um, it's a good habit to get into even when you're at home. If you're in that habit, then you're, you're going to know that your doors are locked, your windows are locked and closed at night um, during the day. But there are burglaries, robberies that occur during the daytime when people are home. So um, we can't avoid that, but we can take precautions. I was just going to say, the, and I'm sure FedEx has it as well, but if you haven't downloaded the new UPS app, it's fantastic. And it allows you to customize every single delivery that you're going to receive. I'm a big online shopper. I love Amazon Prime. I buy a lot of books on Prime. But uh, for those that are not aware, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice because you can set uh, authorization to have a package delivered to your house. You can give instructions for the UPS driver about where you want the package left. Like Scott mentioned earlier, you can uh, give them codes to your garage door to have them place uh, the item someplace safe. Um, and then now there's even lock boxes and things that people can put on their porch, nice secured locations. And I think as online shopping becomes more and more prevalent, it's going to be really important for people to take these things into consideration uh, to prevent themselves from becoming victims of crime. We, we've all seen... Uh, the the number of ways that that the criminal mind will be creative in what they can steal, how they can steal, where they can generate value uh, for their and in most cases, what we experience is that it's because they need to go buy drugs, and so they're going to do pretty much whatever they can to get their hands on valuables that they can sell, barter, or trade for drugs. So gone, gone is the day where people would, would break into a house because they see a TV because they want to have that same TV. They break into a house because they want to sell that TV to, to buy drugs. Uh, so that's the focus of crime. Yep. Yeah. They've come in. They'll take whatever they can, and they'll go trade it real quick. So you're, you may pay $1,500 for a nice LED flat-screen 65-inch TV 4K you're looking, like you got home one. looking forward to watching uh, <laughs> Purdue beat Louisville only to find a your TV's gone. <laughs> well, Nothing it, more disappointing than that. And, you know, the frustration can be for the police is when we get there and then there's no serial number, uh, nothing yeah. for us to track that item back to a person. Um, and, and, and these things play out time and time again. You know, the officers during their investigation, uh, person, I just left for a few minutes, so I left the front door open, or I was only going to be gone for a second, so I left the car running, the keys in, in the ignition, uh, you know, a majority of crimes are crimes of opportunity, and we we circle back to this a lot, but if you can harden the target, make it more difficult, then you're less likely to become a victim. And then for the police, if you are, if you still become victimized, even though you are uh, doing these preventative things, it, it's creating a, an exposure risk for criminals to steal the things that are harder to steal. So someone's more likely to see it. Uh, and we're more likely to detect, de- to detect it. And for us, that means hopefully we solve that crime uh, and, and solve it sooner. So if, if someone is committing a burglary, we, we want to commit, you know, catch them as quick as we can at their, after their 10th burglary rather than their 20th burglary. That's 10 people that we reduce uh, victimization on and just makes it for a safer city all around. 
All right, great. I think we'll wrap it up today on uh, that note. So the holidays are, are happening. Take a breath. Enjoy them. Drive. Get safely where you're going. Make sure you're doing those crime preventive tips to uh, keep your house and your family safe. And we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Squad from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Be sure to check out past episodes and subscribe for new ones on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question for the show, you can email it to podcast at lafayette.in.gov or connect with us on Nextdoor, Twitter, and on our website, lafayettepolice.us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Inside the Squad. Inside the Squad.